Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Happy Valentine's Day uh, for this week. Since this is a, a Valentine's week, I wanted to do a different kind of show. We're doing listeners mail and the part of the the second part of the show, I'll be joined by Dr. Dana Nelson to answer one of our listeners' questions about sex in long-distance relationships. As soon as I read the email, I said, oh, this is going to be perfect for Dr. Dana Nelson. She was our guest in previous episodes, and she's also a host of the podcast I wanted to introduce to you guys, which is called Mindful Expat. It's a wonderful podcast which focuses on issues of emotional well-being and resilience for expats, intercultural couples, and others living abroad. Dr. Dana Nelson is an American psychologist and psychotherapist originally from Northern Virginia who now lives and practices in Lyon, France. She completed her master's degree and PhD in clinical psychology from Penn State University and worked for a number of years in community mental health as well as university counseling center settings prior to moving to France in 2014. While in graduate school in rural central Pennsylvania, she met her husband, 
he's a Frenchman, and they did long distance relationship for two years after then afterwards she moved to France and that's why I thought oh this is going to be perfect because we both had experiences with long distance relationship and we can talk about it from our experience and also from our professional experiences and knowledge anyhow if when you listen to this podcast if you like it you can also send us our questions. You can email it to us at drmoali at sexologypodcast.com or you can just record your voice at sexologypodcast.com and I'll answer the question in the show myself or ask an expert who can join me and we all we will give you the information and the answer that you'll need. Here's my conversation with Dr. Dana Nelson. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. Today, we're going to have a different kind of episode in a sense that, as I shared with you guys, I've been answering some of the questions that you had, and uh, my goal for future is to do a kind of focus on what you need. So I got this wonderful email from one of you guys that wanted to learn more about long-distance relationships, and I immediately thought about uh, my friend and colleague and psychologist, uh, Dr. Dana Nelson, because uh, she's an expat and she has a podcast on it. So Dana, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to have you. And it just, it's just, I love your podcast, as I was sharing with our listeners at the beginning, it just has so much great content. And I felt it like your specialty, your niche is very relevant to the question we got. So I'm just going to move forward with reading the email, part of sure. the email. Um, so this listener, his name is Andrew. He wrote, I'm an avid listener of se- uh, your sexology podcast and I have listened to every episode thus far. Thank you so much. That's very kind Yay. of you to say that. <laughs> Yay. I was wondering if you consider doing an episode on, on a topic like remaining sexual in a long distance relationship, long distance sex practices, adapting to changes in your sex life when you're tempting to transition into a long-distance relationship, and etc. Et My girlfriend has just gone to Sweden on exchange for a year, so this would be an extremely relevant episode for me. And he said so many kind, other kind things, and, and thank you. I'm so grateful for that. So, Dana, what do you think when you, when you heard about this email? What was your thought about Andrew's struggle? Yeah, well, I think that I think that Andrew. It sounds like he's being really proactive in thinking about um, like how he and his girlfriend are going to manage this. It also one of the things that that stood uh, stood out to me in the question that I think shapes sort of how we might talk about this today is that it sounds like this is a temporary situation. So it sounds like he's aware that his girlfriend is going away for a particular period of time. I think I'm understanding that it was a year, and that they're trying to sort of figure out how they're going to sustain that relationship at, at a long distance. And I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know if I should assume this, but I'm assuming Andrew may be in the U.S. Um, so that would be across time zones, which we can talk about a little bit more too, how that complicates things. It's not just distance, but also actually having to coordinate across time zones can be complicated. But they're, it sounds like they're trying to manage this for a particular period of time. Yeah. And so I think that how you might navigate a long distance relationship where you know that there's an end date is a little bit different than when you're navigating that 
when the end date is like really, really far off or where you might not even kind of know it's kind of open-ended. So those are a couple of things that stand out to me. And I know that we can kind of, he, I think Andrew sort of focuses on, in his question on the sexual aspects. And that makes a lot of sense given, you know, that he's writing to you for your podcast. But my guess is that it would also be helpful for us to talk about that in the context of some of the more relational aspects of long distance relationships. Certainly sex is a part of that, but it interacts with all the other parts of, of the relationship too. So, so maybe that could be a framework for how we would jump into the question. Absolutely. Because as, as I talked about it in the previous episode, I think what's going on outside the bedroom impacts our sexuality, like in a, mm -hmm. in a really meaningful, impactful way. Yeah, and I absolutely. personally been in two long distance relationship in two different decades of my life. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I know how challenging can be. So I think it's good to kind yeah. of look at, look at it from all aspects, all different aspects aspects. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess, you know, it's it's funny, I too have been in long distance relationships in different periods of my life and different contexts. One was long distance from Massachusetts to New York. <laughs> not, not that far. <laughs> oh, I said the long distance. The other, yeah, then the other one was long distance from the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania to France. And so that was a little bit more, more challenging. And, and I guess just for context for your listeners too, I now live in France uh, with my partner, after we had been in a long distance relationship for two and a half years, we had lived in the same location in Pennsylvania for, I'm forgetting how long, like almost two and a half, maybe three years. Then he moved to France. We did the long distance thing without an end date in sight for some period of time. Um, and that was, that was quite challenging, not knowing how long that was going to be. And then I did move here and I've now been here for a little over three years. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I uh, salute you for like being in an open ended long-term relationship because I think those ones are especially very hard. Honestly, I mean, one, you know, I think that in, in our communication prior to today, you had asked me sort of um, to reflect on some things and, and some of the things related to, to how to manage some of the common struggles and make or break kind of factors in long distance right. relationships. And one of the first things that came to my mind is, do you have an end state in sight? And personally, I think that, you know, from my own experience and from talking to other people, I do think that having an end date in sight, even if it's a ways off, helps a lot because it, it feels more manageable to deal with a situation if you see it as temporary. And then you can also kind of figure out how do we make the most of the situation? Because there are some advantages. We may not think about it that way, but there are some advantages to being in a long distance relationship. So you can see that it's temporary while you're also recognizing, like, I miss this person and I want a partner who's there in my everyday life. And I want you know, to be able to roll over and, and snuggle my partner and I want to go grocery shopping together and all those everyday things that we take for granted um, and that we miss. So when we have that end date in sight, it's, it is easier to manage all of the different kinds of challenges that we might discuss today, including the sexual challenges. Right, right. Because you're right. As when we, there's a hope that I'm going to see the partner, even if it means like in a year or two, still mm -hmm. it gives people some kind of like some kind of hope and some kind of, yeah, a, yeah kind of framework of kind of working with that. Yes. What are some, yeah, uh, go ahead. Have something to plan for, for the future too. Yeah, together. yeah, absolutely. Sorry, and the make, it makes the time kind of like, as you were talking about, makes it easier for you to kind of focus on, okay, maybe I'll focus on the things I want to do right now, like by my yeah. own self. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about other common challenges that you see. Yeah. So, I mean, I think some of the really obvious common struggles that people experience in long distance relationships are just missing their partner, feeling really sad and lonely without their partner. 
I think another big thing is that you, you over time start to feel like you're not a part of this person's everyday life. And that may be especially true. Like if both people are in one place and then like in Andrew's situation, for instance, I'm imagining, I don't know if this is the case, but I'm imagining that Andrew and his girlfriend were living in one location Andrew may be remaining in that location and his girlfriend is now going to Sweden. So she kind of knows about his everyday life there. Certainly his life will evolve over the time that she's gone and, and aspects of that will change and she won't be as much a part of it. But he may know very little about her day-to-day life. I'm, I'm assuming he'll visit her, but he won't necessarily know all the little, you know, little details that make up her everyday experience. And, and I think that that can feel like we're missing out, that we're not part of our partners day to day and that they're not part of that for us. So that can be, that can feel challenging if we're not careful in terms of how we manage things too, that can cause us to start to grow apart. And I think that, you know, we can talk a little bit about how to manage that. Some other kind of challenges, I think there are just some, some logistical challenges around communication and staying in touch. You know, there's so much technology that helps us with that these days that absolutely it's possible, but it does take some management, especially across time zones. So honestly, when, when I was in a long distance relationship with my partner between, uh, Pennsylvania and France, I think that the, the time difference was more challenging than the, like the geographical distance, because certainly it was hard to visit one another, but we, but it was more challenging, I think, to have to coordinate our time of day in order to communicate. And, and we, we got on a schedule, you know, where often he would go home for his lunch break because he worked really close to his office and he would call me on his lunch break and it was just as I was waking up in the morning. Or we would talk on my lunch break and it was, you know, just as he was getting home from work. But I think it's really challenging when you're in a different mindset at different times of day. So you're kind of always a little bit off, like, not quite in the same zone. One of you may be kind of excited and energized. The other one may be just waking up and, or, you know, one of you may be kind of wanting to connect and feeling kind of, you know, cuddly or the version of cuddly that you can have over the internet because they're getting ready for bed and the other one's still at work. And so that is a challenge if you're doing it across time zones. That's not going to be a challenge for every long distance relationship, but just managing things like that and finding a rhythm that works for you, finding ways to stay in touch, um, that can be a common challenge. And we can talk a little bit about that more too, if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think like, and to that point, because I, that was a challenge we had as well. Mm -hmm. So I think, so the first long distance relationship I had, I was like, I met someone back home in Middle East over Mm -hmm. summer and I moved and I was living in the U.S., so it yeah. was ridiculous. Like time zone was hard and I was like yeah. so much younger. I was like 19. And you know, when yeah. you're younger, you don't think about like putting the relationship as a priority. It seems like Andrew is thinking about it, as you mentioned, his practice yeah. about it, which is wonderful. But that didn't kind of occur to me as much. It's like, oh, we're going to work yeah. it out. Which It'll didn't just work fall out. Place. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It was just, how can you manage it unless you're yeah. super intentional about it? And the yeah. same with my second long distance. And the second long distance wasn't that bad for my postdoc and internship. My husband, and then he was my boyfriend. He was living in LA and I was in Bay Area. So which was like, I don't know, six, seven hours drive. But because of his schedule, uh, he wasn't able to come like every weekend or it was like pretty much once a month we were seeing each yeah. other, which is significantly, yeah. I would imagine, more than what Andrew can see 
his girlfriend. Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but, but the challenge was also, as you were talking about, kind of setting a time that works for both of us because mm-hmm. of scheduling. And so, yes, I think scheduling, being mindful of kind of like setting aside a time is a challenge mm-hmm. that many people have. So I got excited that we had this shared yeah. <laughs> experience. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, please tell us, you were telling us about other stuff. Well, you know, and I think that there's another challenge I want to mention that is sort of the flip side of what we're just talking about here, which is needing to balance prioritizing the relationship and and making that time and being intentional. Because if if you just assume it's going to fall into place, it probably won't. But also balancing that with making sure that each of you is really still living your own lives. Because I think that in a long distance relationship, there can be a risk of spending so much time on Skype, on the phone, you know, like going home from something early to speak to your partner and then like not engaging with your friends or not feeling like you're living your life there. And and that can cause different kinds of problems too. For one, it can make people not really super satisfied with their lives. For another thing, it can start to cause some resentment. It can end up with people feeling like the only alternative is to end the relationship in order to actually make the most of this experience I'm having. Whereas, you know, that doesn't have to be the alternative. There can be ways to balance that. So finding the balance between prioritizing the relationship, but then also having flexibility. So, you know, maybe you and your partner have like a Skype date every day at a certain time, but some opportunity to do something social comes up during that time and making sure that you don't always change plans on your partner, that you do prioritize that, but that you also have some flexibility to say, you know, this is important to me. I really want to go get to know these new people. Can we find another time or can we that we'll talk tomorrow and and trust that your partner is not going to, that they're going to understand that need that you have to do that. Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing with that is that what comes to mind is like the trust that you have in the relationship, because as someone who's being in a relationship and like long distance relationships, what I've noticed is when you have, you're trusting your partner, it's easier to kind of like tell them, okay, go, go, uh, go ahead, like socialize yeah. with other people versus like when you're kind of insecure in the relationship or there was a, some rupture in the past, your mm-hmm. mind might go to the place that what if he or she's going to meet someone else? What if the, yeah. you know, it's this new life might uh, kind of turn to something wonderful and I'm not part of it. Yeah. And, and I think that that, those kinds of insecurities and jealousy is, is really, really difficult in any relationship. But I think in a long distance relationship, it is, it's going to eat away at you. And so that is something to try to manage, you know, to be able to talk to your partner openly about those things, but also acknowledge like your own responsibility for managing any kind of insecurities or jealous feelings you have, not putting those on your partner in a controlling way. And then you got to take a leap of faith and trust that this person is, is um, committed and in it with you. And if, if you don't feel that, then it is really hard to, to navigate a long distance relationship. It's harder to be in sort of like a casual long distance relationship right, right. than it might be like to be in a casual relationship that you're, you're kind of in, you're kind of out. Um, maybe you're feeling it out and seeing how it goes. Like if, if you're, if it's long distance, Maybe, I, I know people who've gotten to know one another long distance and started relationships that way, but I think, I think it's more challenging. I think you kind of got to say, like, I'm giving this a real shot, and I'm committing to it, and I'm going to trust this person, and we're going to both give it our all and, and give it a try. And obviously, if over time you discover that that's not working, you adjust accordingly. But I think if you kind of have one foot in, one foot out, that's really hard in long distance. Right, right. And even if that's agreement, if you are like in a non-monogamous relationship or you're kind of considering about that, 
kind of being very clear about、uh, what do you want from the relationship versus、yeah. and kind of guessing、absolutely. about what is the agreement. Yes, absolutely, and I think that 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 probably applies in in subtle ways that we might not think about as being technically non-monogamous relationships too. Like I think it's really helpful for couples to communicate really clearly about what constitutes a betrayal. Like I think many couples, you know, obviously if couples are wanting to in, to have sexual relationships or encounters with other people. Most people would agree that that probably warrants a conversation,、right. um, and making sure everyone's on the same page about that. But I think we don't necessarily think that it warrants a conversation to say, like, you know, does it? How do you feel about the idea of me getting to know a new person and flirting with them?、Um, how do you feel about me enjoying the fact that somebody else is showing interest in me, even if I don't reciprocate? Like, are those things that cross lines for you, or is that? Like, can we just talk about that and laugh about it, and and have it be, you know, a part of our relationship? But I don't think everyone's always on the same page about those sorts of things, and that can end up with people sort of fanning the flames of insecurity and jealousy,、um, in any relationship, but certainly in long distance ones where it may be, you know, things may sort of come out and people start to feel like, oh, you were hiding something from me when the other person may not either may not have known that it would be experienced as a betrayal or might have suspected but wasn't sure and so hid something because they thought it might. Upset the partner, and it's just—I think it's better to be above board about those sorts of things, so we make sure that we know we're all on the same page. Right, and I, I hundred percent agree with you. Um, kind of like talking about this thing because, like, throughout the years, I learned that working with couples, that sometimes people have different definition of betrayal, and、yeah. some some people even consider like emotional connection with someone else as a、yeah. betrayal. So it just、mm-hmm. it's important to talk about it, and also at times. When we keep something secret, actually,、mm-hmm. I think that's more dangerous in a way that、Absolutely. it might turn to、yeah. something that that wasn't the person's intention. And、mm-hmm. I think just it's important to kind of talk about what how what's my boundaries around like kind of、mm-hmm. different things in the relationship as you were talking about. Yeah, and if we don't know what our par- partner's boundaries are, then that uncertainty can sometimes end up with people feeling like. Maybe I shouldn't tell them this. I know it's harmless, but I'm afraid that they might be jealous. So maybe I'll just keep it a secret, and that ends up being a betrayal because now there's a secret. Right. So it's helpful to just know, like, what is my partner comfortable with or not, or to check in, so that we know that. So there aren't these things that are kind of festering as secrets. Right. Right. And I think one thing that is really important in a long distance relationship is just like. Working in our communication style because I feel、Absolutely. when、yeah. you are in the room with the person, you can. There are so many like different things with body language and different things that can help you con- to convey the message. But、yeah. when you are in a long distance relationship, all you have is the communication and、mm-hmm. like the emails and phone calls, and it's really important for you to fine tune this skill. Yeah. Of course, with Skype and things like that these days, you do have body language a bit too, which is helpful. But I think it's absolutely true that communication, while important in all relationships, is especially important in long distance. And I think that long distance can it can highlight communication breakdowns. So it can become very challenging if your communication is not that great. But it can also be a catalyst that can help you actually improve your communication. I think that people can really grow closer through long distance relationships. It can also make people grow apart. So I think it can really go either way. But I think it has the opportunity 
to make you grow together. If, if you do, if it forces you to communicate about things you might not have communicated about before, you know, I actually, it makes me think I, I had a, a friend at one point who, who told me that one thing she really appreciated about being in a long distance relationship. And this was a relationship that sort of started out long distance was that they really got to know one another in ways that they might not have had they just been able to like hook up all the time. You know, there are moments where it's awkward. And so you just like start making out and you don't have to talk so much, (laughs) especially like early in a relationship. And you know, when you're, when you're long distance, you can't do that, or at least you got to get more creative in terms of how you might do that. So you end up talking a lot more. And I think that that can end up being really, uh, it, it can really improve intimacy in a lot of ways in ways that can ultimately not only improve your emotional intimacy, but your sexual intimacy in the long term too. But because you can't fall into that easier pattern of like, let's just let our hormones take over, then, you know, you actually have to have those conversations. Right. And you're right about the kind of like how uh, kind of long distance relationship because their communication is important and has potential to increase intimacy. I was thinking about the conversation I had with Dr. Hartline few months ago and she was talking about sex and technology and how the relationship in chat room online usually move faster as far as intimacy in the way because people tend to type how they're feeling and that that can be very attractive because we don't usually communicate those things verbally so I think that that has that potential yeah well and you know I think what that makes me think of is how there are there are different means of communication that that some of us that might make some of us more or less comfortable. So in long distance, we have the opportunity to get creative with our communication. We can talk on the phone, we can Skype, we can text, we can email, we can write our, we can write old-fashioned letters. I mean, that is so romantic to get a letter in the mail or a postcard. We can send pictures. There's so many ways we can communicate. And so we have to find what, the ways that allow us to feel most comfortable expressing ourselves and that we know are going to speak to our partner as well. Like what, what's going to feel satisfying to them to receive from us. And usually there's some combination of those things, but it may be that it's easier. Like I, I know that when we were in our, in a long distance relationship, my partner and I, there were certain things that, I mean, we would Skype or FaceTime or whatever all the time, but there were certain kinds of challenging things that, I often found it easier to communicate in email about because it allowed me to gather my thoughts and feel like I was really expressing myself well. And so we would talk about that. You know, we'd say like, this is a difficult conversation. I want some time to think about it and I'll write you an email. And then also if he emailed me back, I could, I, it, I could see certain things in writing that might be harder for me to take in. I could dismiss them more easily if he said them in Skype, but like reassuring things potentially. And I could see them in the email and I could remind myself of those things. And that was helpful to me. But, you know, someone else might feel like uh, it's really hard for me to put things down in writing. I really want to hear it in my ear. Like, let's talk on the phone. And so figuring out what works for you in terms of the different forms of technology that can facilitate communication, as you were saying. So as we're talking about long distance kind of using technology, let's kind of like transition on ways that people can stay sexual with their partner mm-hmm. in a long distance relationship. What are some of the, the thoughts that you have about that? Well, I think that, I mean, I guess I think that some of what we've been talking about about communication applies there too. I think it's really important that people communicate 
about their sexual needs, about their desires, about their fantasies, about their frustrations, and and sort of think of that as something that they, like a challenge that they're going to work to overcome together. They're not always going to feel like they're succeeding at it. Sometimes it's going to be frustrating. Sometimes they're going to, you know, really not find the forms of sexuality that they can explore from afar as satisfying. But but seeing that as an ongoing thing that they're working on together and getting creative about and being playful with and trying things out and um, and having fun. So so communication is definitely important. And and I think that oftentimes when it comes to the ways that people might explore their sexuality in a long distance relationship, some of that might feel uncomfortable because it might be things that people have not tried before and people might be hesitant to trying those things out and being able to communicate about our discomfort, being able to say, okay, I'll give it a try, but you know, if I'm really uncomfortable, then I'm going to want to let you know, like be able to talk about all of that as you, as you explore and, and try new things, I think is really, really important. So like for one thing, you know, like some of the obvious ways I think that people can continue to maintain their sexual connection. Um, and then as we talk about these, maybe we can kind of talk about some of the challenges too. But I think some of those things include like having like phone or Skype sex, like where you can be, you know, talking to one another about things you want to do to one another. You can be st- self-stimulating and telling your partner what you want them to do to themselves. There's, you know, that can be definitely. Um, like a part of people's sexual experiences. People can also send sexy pictures. They can write sexy texts. They can write emails, sort of their fantasy of what they would like to do with their partner. They can flirt. They can read sexy books together and discuss them. You know, there's all sorts of things that people can do. You can make videos and send them to your partner of you doing a strip tease or whatever. You can get all sorts of creative and be right. fun and, you know, lots of different options. I think that the some of these different options have the potential to make people feel self-conscious. And so that can make people feel vulnerable, which if we allow ourselves to do that, it can enhance our intimacy. If we feel pushed to do that and we don't feel like we have total control over that, if we feel our partner is pushing that, it can feel like that that can feel damaging to the relationship. So I think it's just important to be able to talk about it and to check in with one another and to adjust, you know, if, if somebody's not feeling so comfortable with that, to adjust accordingly, to reassure one another that that's okay. Right, that right. Sort of and I think it's just such a valid point that you're talking about the difference between like kind of openness, I want to try it, whether it's a thing for me or not, or kind of f- feeling kind of violated. You're, someone's pushing mm-hmm. something on you and just makes you kind of resentful. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. at times it might be helpful for the couple to talk about how, you know, we have yes, no, and maybe less for sexual behaviors. Yeah, maybe create that's a great idea. All the kind of things that you're thinking about, you can do like sexting, Skype, uh, like using sex toys, all of those kind of things in the less. Mm-hmm. And each mm-hmm. partner can like, you know, write which one is a yes, which one is a no, and which one is a maybe. And mm-hmm. for the maybe one, what kind of thing you might uh, kind of have in place in order to feel you secure to do that for example yeah, like if it's yeah. that's not your thing so like what would be how how can you kind of set boundaries with the maybe mm-hmm. ones so i think mm-hmm. that's something that might be helpful for people if they have some kind of concrete way of addressing that yeah that's a wonderful idea yeah 
Well, and I think that like recognizing too that like you're exploring something together and you might try something and find like that really does not work for me. <laughs> and so I tried and not really wanting to do that again. Or, you know, or you feel really uncomfortable and you can say to your partner, like, I'm feeling really uncomfortable with this and you trust that they're going to, you know, be willing to stop and talk about it and do something else to feel close with you or, you know, or, or that you take that off the table for now, but it doesn't mean it's off the table forever. There may be another moment in which you feel more open to, to exploring things in, in that particular way. But I think that, you know, underlying all of these things that we're saying is, is communication and talking about it. Right, right. And as you were talking about it, I think it gives, it potentially can give us opportunity to long distance relationship to kind of explore facets of our sexuality and our like different kind of like things that we are interested and we're good at Mm -hmm, that you mm -hmm. can potentially incorporate it in the relationship in future yeah Yeah, so for example my husband's really good at writing and I find like oh Mm -hmm. wow it's great with erotica and that's something that I found like okay we can use it like later as like one of the things that enhance our sexuality so I think it just Mm -hmm. depends on what what do you discover and like keeping an open mind but also Mm -hmm. being mindful of your own boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think speaking of like, uh, sort of maybe this goes off of what you were saying about your husband and writing. I think, I think that too, like another thing that can come out of this, that can be really great. That doesn't always happen when you're in the same place is I think that you can spend a lot more time talking about your fantasies and yes. Yeah. And, and that can be so sexy and you can apply it when you see each other again. <laughs> and that and that can be something that like maybe you learn things about your partner's fantasies or you share things with them that you might not have shared under other circumstances because it didn't feel comfortable or you get into a routine sexually together. But you know, when you for instance, like if you're writing each other sexy emails, you might suggest like why don't we share our fantasies of what we would imagine doing together. And we could learn what the other person finds sexy. I do think that you can learn a lot about what somebody wants sexually by listening to them talk about their fantasy of of sex with you. So we can learn a lot about like things that we can apply in real life later. It's also, you know, incredibly sexy to have those conversations. So, you know, it can be fun in the moment and it can, and it can actually enhance our, our sexual relationship when we're actually together again in the future. Right. It just gives you permission to talk about your fantasies in a non-threatening way, because I yeah. feel when the partner is there at time, people feel kind of pushed that like maybe he wants yeah. to act it out versus right, exactly. in the long distance relationship. At times, there's not an option to act it out. So right. it gives you just data. Yeah. And then you can take it into account or not. But you have information now about what your partner fantasizes about. Yeah, and I think like technology potentially is a is your ally. I remember when I was like when I had the initial like the first long distance relationship in my teens, all we had was phone, and it was just yeah. like not as exciting. And yeah. today we have lots of different kind of as you said, FaceTiming, yeah. video videos, yeah. and all kind of different things you can do. And I think mm-hmm. it's just important to kind of talk about. If you have some concern about that, because I sometimes yeah. I hear that some college girls, they had this like bad experience with kind of sex things, sending pictures. Now they are hesitant to yeah. do that because of privacy 
So I think that's important to kind of talk about all of your hesitation with your partner. Yeah. I mean, I think that that has to be a part of this conversation. What you're saying is so important. It's like what we're talking about here, we're kind of assuming that all of this is happening in the context of a relationship where you trust the person, that they're not going to be like releasing your sexy pictures that you shared with them on internet chat rooms or whatever, these horrible things that we hear about. And I think that the, the, the sad truth is that many of the people to whom that later happens had absolutely trusted that their partner would never do that as well. And so I think it is really important to, to make sure that you're, you know, being clear with yourself about, um, you know, is, can I trust that this person, you know, would keep these things private and, and sharing those fears with your partner and, and really being on the same page about that sort of thing. Cause obviously if you don't trust that somebody wouldn't use information like that to hurt you, then, then you probably shouldn't be doing that sort of thing with, technology with, you know, over technology with them, because these things, um, they are there forever, you know, whatever we share over the internet in emails, you know, we don't know what Skype does with our data, all sorts of things like that. So it is important to be, to be careful about those things. Right. And also there are, I was looking about it, like doing some research and I saw there are apps that are specifically for like, you know, sexting and things of that Mm -hmm. nature that kind of maybe there has additional level of privacy, but like, as you said, oh, we, I think you may it, know more about that than I do. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that. No, but I think like when it comes to it, trust is the most important thing because with, even with the most secure form of like platform and apps, there's always a possibility that your information might get kind of in the hands of people that you don't want to get kind of like share those pictures with. So I think like if there's a trust, and still you feel kind of uncomfortable, you can look into the apps. The other thing that I find, I think based on my experience, was interesting that with technology, sometimes people kind of don't think that you still need some preludes, you need some foreplay. And it's just, I think that is so important to keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, and I think that you can use technology as your friend in that too, because foreplay can happen across different technological platforms. You know, for instance, let's say you know that you have a Skype date with your partner, you know, at a certain time later in the day, and you you can be sending them sexy texts. You can, throughout the day, kind of leading up to that, you can, um, the night before you're, you know, you know you're going to have like, let's say a longer, it's a weekend, and so you're going to be able to talk longer, and you're hoping to, to have some kind of sexual connection during that the night before you can send them an email telling them some of the things that you're fantasizing about. Like these things can build up in a way where um, the person has started to think about, like they, they might start fantasizing and then both of you are feeling more open to exploring that when you do then, you know, get on Skype together or whatever. Or it also, you know, I think part of it is once you're there, sort of not just assuming you're going to just jump right into that. So make sure you're like finding a way to connect with that person that you're sort of maybe hinting at things, maybe teasing them a little bit before you expect to jump right in to something that, that might feel, you know, more and more vulnerable. Right, right. And at times I feel like a foreplay can be in the form of like you uh, kind of sending them kind messages or kind of at times yeah. you're saying that I'm thinking about you and just yeah. kind of like securing that emotional bond. Absolutely. I think, I think that it is really helpful to expand our view of foreplay to things that are not overtly sexual, that are about connection. So being able to just like say, I'm thinking about you, or I can't wait to talk to you later, or, you know, missing you or whatever, letting that person know that they're on your mind. I think that 
quali- that qualifies as foreplay. It makes that person feel more open to connecting with you in other ways, including sexually. Right. And I think one other thing that's helpful is just like incorporating some element of surprise. And mm-hmm. I think that's definitely helpful with kind of sparking different things, whether if your mm-hmm. strength is like writing with kind of like sending an email or letter or it's on images. So kind of being uh, open and curious as you talked about it with kind of thing mm-hmm. that you, is your strength. And even if it doesn't necessarily mind blowing with your partner, at times mm-hmm. it can turn us on as far as like, you know, when we're doing yeah. those things. Yeah. Like you're, yeah, exactly. When you're doing these things, you're not just doing them to turn your partner on. You're also doing them to turn yourself on. And I think that that kind of leads into something else that's important to be a part of this conversation. I think that this applies to non-long distance relationships too. But I think that in long distance relationships, we also have to take responsibility for meeting our own sexual needs in certain ways. And that doesn't mean not including our partners in that. But I mean, I think that, um, you know, to be able to say like, yeah, you're going to have to get comfortable with, you know, if, if, if you're feeling sexually frustrated, you're going to have to get comfortable with being the one to turn yourself on and to, to allow yourself to um, explore masturbation and explore other forms of sexuality with yourself. You can include your partner in that by telling them about it, by doing it together over video, but, but not being passive about that. And then feeling frustrated and resentful that your partner's far away, like taking that literally and figuratively into your own hands. <laughs> I love that. And that is so <laughs> true because I feel if you're not kind of engaging, you kind of like you want to table your sexuality. Yeah. It's going to be hard because then you're yeah. going to feel resentful and frustrated and that can like harm the relationship that you have with the partner. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that maybe like, that's an important thing to think about outside of long distance relationships too, that like, ultimately we are responsible for, well, at least partly responsible for our own sexual satisfaction. We need to communicate our needs to our partners, not expect them to read our minds. You know, we, we need to allow ourselves to be open to exploring things with our partners to also be vulnerable in emotional ways that might also allow us to be vulnerable in sexual ways. There's all sorts of ways in which like we need to kind of step up and show up as a full participant in our sexuality. And I think that um, not expecting the other person to do that for us, obviously they play an important role, but we're not passive recipients of that. And we need to, we need to really acknowledge that I think, especially in long distance relationships so that we don't have resentment so that we don't feel frustrated and then act that out in ways that ultimately damage our relationships. Right. It, and is it before we end our conversation today, is there anything else that you want to add before we kind of close this episode? You know, this may be stating the obvious, but we haven't mentioned it here. And I just think it's worth mentioning that sexual frustration for a period of time can actually be really sexy as long as you know that it will not last forever. So meaning that like finding ways to remain connected sexually, but feeling slightly frustrated Mm -hmm. by not, not getting that need fully met all the time makes you really excited to see your partner and makes sex with them when you get back together, you know, when you visit or whatever, like super exciting. So I think that there, there is that too. It's not that you don't totally table that aspect of your relationship when you're not in person and just like live for the times that you see them. But I think that like recognizing that all of these ways of connecting between are also kind of foreplay for the times that we're together again. Not that being in, in person together is, becomes all about sex, obviously, 
but that like that that is exciting too. It's like it, it enhances those moments that we do have together um, in ways that can kind of spark our connection in in make it exciting in different ways again. So I just want to mention that. No, absolutely. Well. And I think that's just such an important point that I, I kind of I wasn't thinking about it until you mentioned it, that, you know, it can be kind of increase the intensity of attraction mm-hmm. and sexual mm-hmm. energy when you see your partner, if you haven't seen them for months. So that's definitely yeah. can add to the uh, excitement. The flip side of that is we need to make sure our expectations are reasonable and that we're not like going to get our expectations up so high that we end up feeling let down if things don't like if we don't immediately jump into bed together after not seeing right, each other for right. months or something like that. But, you know, so, and again, communication is really important there. But I do think that there there can be positive sides to all of these slightly frustrating things in a long-distance relationship. Absolutely. So, Dana, I want to make sure that our listeners, they know how to get a hold of you and your podcast and all the wonderful content you're providing. So what would be some of the ways sure. to contact you? Well, the best way to learn more about me and my podcast would be to go to the website. It's Um, My podcast is called Mindful Expat, and um, we talk about all sorts of things related to emotional well-being for people who are living abroad, and that includes things related to long-distance relationships, but not only that. And so the website is mindfulexpat.com, and um, if people wanted to get in touch with me, they can easily find my email there, but my email is Dana, D-A-N-A, at mindfulexpat.com. Awesome. I leave all those information in show notes. And Dana, as always, it is a pleasure to have you on this show. Thank you so much. It's so fun to talk to you. And this is such an important topic. So I'm really glad that Andrew wrote to you and that we had an opportunity to answer his question. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope he got some good tips. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope Dana and I answered some of the questions that Andrew had in mind. And if you guys, other listeners, have some tips and tricks on how you are keeping the uh, sex hot in the long-distance relationship, please share it with us so we can pass it to Andrew. Andrew, we all are rooting for you. Anyhow, I just want to remind you that this is the last week I'm offering 50% off of my sex therapy services. So if you're interested, you can just give me a call at 310-600-9912 or follow the link in the show notes to book an appointment. Uh, We can do the sex therapy sessions in my office. I have two offices in Los Angeles. Or we can do a video counseling, which I use this confidential form of video counseling. So we can work together, even if you're living all around the world in different part of universe. <laughs> Anyhow, this was lovely to talk to you and take a good care. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.